Hello there, and welcome to Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, the writer's room podcast dedicated to fixing the Star Wars sequels. Each week we take a closer look at one part of the galaxy, how the sequels ruined it, and how we might fix it in our version. I'm Bryce Quinn, and I'm joined by International Man of Mystery, Carmelo Keating. How have you been, Mello? Yeah, good. I was, I was thinking to myself, you were doing your intro, I'm like, I doubt he's going to have anything Because I haven't today. seen you for uh, like a week now. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. I was like, I was wearing this. So you've been from? busy working on a university production and then also working at your actual job. So mm. I haven't seen you at all. No, it's at true. Home. It's like there's been like two, three day periods during this week where it's like, I haven't seen bro. It's been a good week. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm also joined by the Migraine King, Sandra Carrion. Hey. How you doing? Howdy. You got a migraine today? Not yet. Not yet, baby. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So we usually give you a migraine talking about all this rewrite stuff. So we'll see. Talking about rewrite stuff, I'm I'm not sure if that's where we're going today. I'm not. Sh- I'm excited. Honestly, I'm hoping this should be a migraine-free episode today. Yeah, because uh, we're gonna be just doing a bit of a whinge. This feels <laughs> like a vent. It feels like a group venting session. Yeah, yep. This is take the migraine thoughts out of the brain, put them out onto the internet. Yeah, and then they're not in our head anymore. Yeah, it's we'll, the worst episode. We'll see. Yeah. So this week we give up on the show. That's right, everyone. <laughs> it's time to pack it in. The sequels are unfixable, and this whole project was doomed. From the I'm leaving Hogwarts, guys. <laughs> Just kidding. We're still writing, but we thought it would be fun to talk about some of the really annoying problems we've discovered while working on this project. Like any good Star Wars podcasters, we've bashed the hell out of the sequels plenty, but this mm. episode will be focusing on how the writing is so bad it makes it nearly impossible to even rewrite it. So that's the uh, the fun little intro. Mm. That's right, everyone. Yeah. We've given up on the show. Uh, okay. I've got a bunch of notes. Melo, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so I'm going to start us with a bit of context. Basically, we've been doing writer's rooms. We really have, uh, with, with what time that we have and prepping for this uh, really fun... Spent like a lot of time. Yeah. Just like staring at the wall. Personally, that's what no, I do. No, genuinely, we get, a, we get a map up we get, we, and we link sort of characters and groups and sort of conflicts and plot motivations. lines, motivations, it all sorts. It looks fucking atrocious. Yeah, no, it's disgusting, <laughs> especially the one that I made. Oh, your one was, that was the migraine cause of <laughs> yeah, Sandra. Yeah. It was instant. He looked yeah. at it, he's like, nah, I can't, I can't there, there was one where I almost wanted to walk out. <laughs> the one where you were like, hold up, hold up, hold up, Let me Darth Talon. <laughs> yeah, oh, the Darth Talon one was good. Darth Talon's on the wall, She's boys. on the wall, which um, means she has to be in the scripts. <laughs> I mean, Darth Jar Jar's also on the wall. Which means he has to be in the scripts. <laughs> Mace Windu's also on the wall. Okay. 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 What do you um, got? Keep so basically... I raised a point, which is something that I'm sure we've all thought about. And yeah. it's something that you have to consider when doing this process, especially like with how long we've been doing this project for. It's, is it actually possible and is it actually worth doing this? Continuing the story. R- trying to actually write the sequel trilogy because here's the, the number one problem is that episode one, two, three, four, five, six is a kind of a perfect, cohesive, concluded story. It kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> which is... When, you know, we started really thinking about this because we thought it was like, oh, it's fine. Like the sequels were made. We can make a good story here. But the more we've thought about it, mm. the more it's like, okay, well, Lucas has said multiple times. The reason he switched to the prequels is because he's like, actually, the story's about Anakin, his fall and his redemption. And, and he already see- had like pre-law in the back of his head. Yeah. Four events. And he did that. He made, he made that. it. He made the thing, and you see the two parts of that. You see the fall of Anakin through the prequels, and then you see his redemption at the end of Return of the Jedi, and that's the story. And then Palpatine dies, and Vader dies, the Sith die, yep. and Luke becomes the ultimate Jedi. Yeah. And fulfills the prophecy, et cetera, et cetera. The story's done. Yep. So when they announced we're making more Star Wars, no one really thought, hey, what's the story? Mm. Because they're all like, awesome, we get to see Leia Han and, and Luke in action now, yeah. finally. And, and that, that comes to the first problem, uh, that when opening up a closed book, uh, the first thought in mind was money. Yeah. I mean, that- Lucasfilm acquired, uh, was acquired by Disney. Yep. And 
they were like, hey, Lucasfilm, make us some Star Wars movies. Yeah. We need more of those yeah. big money babies. Yes, but it was make it immediately. Yeah. Start right now. You have a time constraint. Uh, I don't care how big and seemingly impossible this process is. Yeah. You're going to do it. And so that brings us to what we were talking about just before, Sandro, is Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan. Who has talked about multiple times the, the Luke Skywalker problem. But yeah. Luke's, Lawrence Kasdan was already on the team before Disney even acquired Lucasfilm. Yeah, so Lucas and Kasdan were working on scripts before yeah. uh, the, the Lucasfilm was acquired. And we could talk about Star Wars Underworld as well, because that was what was in active development. Sequels were just ideas. Yeah, sorry, quick background. Lawrence Kasdan yeah. wrote Empire Strikes Back yes. and was a co-writer, I believe, on Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yep. and so he was working with Lucas on sequel ideas and script ideas. But they weren't even in active development. They weren't working hard on that. What they were working hard on was a show called Star Wars Underworld, which was in production. They had scripts and they had concept art and they had heaps of shit, heaps mm -hmm. of irons in the fire for that yep. one. Up until the day Lucasfilm was acquired by Disney. And yep. that whole project was shut. The whole thing. Yep. And they lost like 10 years of work or something. Fun fact about that. Um, I think it was John Knoll, VFX supervisor, who pitched Rogue One. Mm -hmm. He pitched that episode. He pitched Rogue One as an episode of that show. No, really? Uh, yeah, that makes so yeah. much sense. And then he was like, oh, it's not going to work. But then when you know Disney acquired, he's like, oh, okay. And because in the Disney vaults or whatever, yep. they would have access to all that concept art and all of those ideas and those scripts uh, and those characters and everything that Lucas was working on with the huge team of writers that they had. And that whole period, sorry, just quickly, is between Revenge of the Sith yep. and A New Hope. Yep. So that's where Star Wars Underworld would have been set. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why you know we get Rogue One from that. So that's what they were working on. They weren't even working on the sequels. No. Nah. Uh, so what we've got is just like a couple of loose ideas. It was Darth Talon is there trying was work, to like they paid people like there was work being put into the sequels there was more work being put into underground undoubtedly. yeah exactly um but there was like still work being put into the sequels to the point where like lucas was trying to sell the extra work that he put into his sequels to disney yeah when they bought it disney didn't want it no disney was like cool this is great we don't want this yeah we're gonna bring our own, bring in our own writers and make it ourselves and i think maybe maybe there's a bit of a problem there yeah. Because obviously, if we think back to, you know, that period in time, everyone was just fucking mad at George. Yes. Mad. No one... No, throw back your mind to 20... What was the, what was the accus uh, acquisition? Yeah, 2014? 2012. 2012. Yeah. No one liked Lucas because no. everyone hated the prequels. This was the truth. Like, the majority of the fans were like, yep. the prequels are shit. Yeah. We want more Star Wars. And then they heard about the acquisition. And they're like, oh my God, yes, Disney's going to acquire it. This yeah. is going to be so good. Take it away from Lucas. Yeah. And it was before, like, you know, where we are in, in, at the point in, in time now where we've had think about it and look back where it's like okay yeah obviously there's the prequels far from perfect still so many problems but in yes. terms of creating a story that perfectly links up yeah you know to the original trilogy like there's a reason that this is a cohesive arc and as mm. much as this you know there's problems and shit like that there's 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 and it's still politics in its own sense it's not just like yeah. a retread i think that's a big part of the reason people hated uh, phantom menace is because like this isn't star wars mm. this isn't star wars at yeah. all yeah. But you get the 2012 acquisition plus eight years up until 2020 or kind of where we are now. All those people have grown up. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of kids who grew up with the prequels and Clone Wars who have now become adults. Us. <laughs> That's all of us. And we look back and we're like, we grew up with these movies. We fucking love them. And we have the capacity to go and watch video essays and explore why they actually work and why they're good. What the merits are. Because there are merits. Yep. And, you know, obviously there's flaws as well. We recognize the flaws, but we recognize the merits. And then we can look at the flaws and merits of the original trilogy as well. And we mm. say, okay, well, you know, it's a little bit dated. You know, it's not like yeah. the VFX don't hold up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Even though it's like a huge feat of filmmaking, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's problems with the original yeah. trilogy as well. It's funny you go there because it's, it's a thought that often traces through my mind. I think I've probably brought it up behind 
the scenes yeah. a few times of like eventually the people growing up the Disney trilogy are going to grow up and they're probably still going to like have very fond memories of it. I agree and there will be kids who grow up with the sequel trilogy and enjoy them. But when you look at the merits and the flaws of the sequel trilogy, they do not hold a candle to the prequels or the original trilogy. Mm. I thought you were about to quote Luke from Last Jedi there for a no, second. No, what was the, the, when you when you look at the <laughs> the, the the successes and failures of the Oh, the legacy of the Jedi the legacy is failure. Of the sequels is failure, baby. It, it is. Uh, but yeah, no. And we're and... going to talk about exactly why on this show. Yes. So stay tuned. We're doing a lot of rambling context because we, this has just been like turning over in our heads a lot recently. Yes. So that's why we're on this topic. Um, so where are we at now? Because I've spoken about like, you know, we had that discussion about the, the why and the why this is so difficult. And for me, it's been about getting in the mindset of the why. It's like, okay, not only are we doing this for this project, this is great. This is something we're really passionate about doing, but we're not doing it for money. We're not no, like the writers. Were absolutely, back in, we're not. <laughs> no, this, this is we're not in 2012 getting paid by Disney yeah. to write these things for a fuck ton of money. We're doing it for for passion and actual purpose. And I I have an actual purpose when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah, and a why also is kind of generated out of spite for how bad the actual that was like the was. starting place but we yeah. got to i i know the place i've got to miller is probably similar yeah is we've found this story we really love star wars mm-hmm. but the story that we're interested in is about the empire and the emperor and fascism and yes. how you know yeah. after yeah. 20 years fascism is going to try and come back because in the real world we're seeing you know in world war ii yeah. nazi germany existed they did horrible things yeah and now 50 60 70 years later we're seeing the return of fascism and we're yeah. like fucking we don't like this at all yeah. So we want to say something about Star it. Star Wars has always been a vessel for anti-capitalist and anti-fascist storytelling. Which we've talked about a lot on this show. Yeah. And it's very much true. And if you think Star Wars isn't political, then I would encourage you to go and look up some of why that is. Yeah. Especially George Lucas's interview with James Cameron. It's a really yeah. great example yeah. of yeah. them yeah. both talking about what they're inspired by in terms of politics. Yeah. It is just a little bit ironic, and we will acknowledge this, that uh, whilst the content of the story is anti-capitalist, uh, the Star Wars the industry media is <laughs> uh, redefined merchandising. You were supposed to destroy capitalism, not join it. Oh, George! But also, I like... know you give to charity. But okay, so are we going to keep talking about us and our our, our path, or are we going to talk about? Well, that's our like overall kind of. Here's the story. We're not making it for money. Obviously, yep. we're making it because we love Star Wars. We think the sequels are bad and we would love to rewrite them because we feel like they are deeply imperfect and yep. need rewriting yeah and the story we're interested in exploring more is the return of fascism after 20 years of being defeated so that's kind of where we're at yes. with all of this so here are our challenges for that progress yep. for that process firstly ben starts as a sith in the force awakens that's my first note yeah what is this problem mm. what what are you fucking oh, on about so sorry, sorry sorry you're saying like the problems in the, in the existing yeah so, he's not a sith <laughs> I mean, he's a fucking... Right. He's Wait, got a red so, lightsaber, so, so, he's evil. So, okay, so, right, yeah, so the character of Ben Solo. Um, the character of Ben Solo in general, but yeah. specifically, you know, if we're going to hone in on, like, a specific thing, yeah. he starts that way. Yes. All of the things that happen leading up to that, off camera, it's been 26 years since Return of the Jedi. Luke is a hermit. Leia and Han have both failed Ben, and none of that is on screen. We have to just infer that our heroes, yeah. deeply beloved characters, have all failed in a huge way yeah. for this character. Um, and sorry, going to put this out here for the mainstream audience, because I think people need to understand this. There is a difference between what is realistic in terms of uh, how people change over 30 years yeah. uh, in, in, in reality versus storytelling. Yes. You know? And we've, we've you know, been very clear about this. You cannot change the fundamentals of a character that we haven't seen in 30 years, that the story hasn't seen in 30 years, even if it might be accurate, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, evolve them in ways where it's like, yes, they have this job now, 
but you can't change what's core to them because the audience is going to be left asking so many questions. Especially when those events are off screen and they're never going to be explored in any meaningful way. So a great example of how to do this right is Avatar... No, 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 do it. The yeah. Legend of Korra. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have your crew in the old days. I'm sorry if you're not familiar with the Avatar animated show. You've got to go watch it because I talk about it so much. <laughs> so you've got Aang, uh, um, sorry, you've got Aang, Katara, Sokka, and Toph. That's your crew. And then, oh, and I guess Zuko as well. And then you, you s- guess. You guess Zuko is <laughs> disrespect. You skip 20 years. And then when you see these characters, it's not, it's not their story. You've got Katara, who is an old uh, wise healer who lives in the, uh, the South Pole. And then Sokka has passed away. And Toph is a hermit. But you believe it because Toph was always angry and cranky and crotchety. And she would never be happy with the way things were. So when, you're, when you find out that her two daughters are estranged from her and they don't live in the same place, they don't talk to each other, their family is broken, and Toph is nowhere to be found and she's ignoring these problems, you're like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. And in the show, she has an arc where it sort of like they sort of fix it and resolve some of these issues, but she doesn't change entirely as a person. She's always tough, and you always believe that that's her story, that she never really gets her life together because that's who she is. Yeah. Mm. Plus, that's after 70 years. And it's a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's, a, I think, a good parallel to what we see in The Force Awakens. How on earth do we get the, you know, one of the greatest Jedi who ever lived goes to being a hermit who has failed all of his Padawans? Mm. And has failed has has failed his nephew. Oh, yeah, it's just the, so much. How, how have how have you taken the ultimate compassionate Jedi yeah. who would put down his fucking lightsaber to help his evil 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 fucking dad? Yeah, return to the light side. And then in the in the episode eight, have him raise a lightsaber against Ben, yeah. which mm. is an interesting thing. That is, it's just not compelling enough, and it's not believable. When you end the last story, he is like the most compassionate Jedi. Mm. And then you begin the next story, he's a failure. Yeah. Mm. It's too radical of a shift. You didn't show us how he got there. Exactly. You take a character like Han Solo, whose entire journey in the original trilogy is... To not uh, be so greedy. Yeah, well, yeah, and overcoming that sort of, that life of of, of crime and that whole idea that he, you know, him being a, a criminal is a front. Yeah. The fact beneath, that he is a good person. Beneath your rough exterior is a heart of gold. Yeah. And then at the end of Return of the Jedi, the heart of gold is the thing that you see the first now. For he's sure. a general of the rebellion and he's a great pilot. And he's a good dude. You see that guy is like, you know, he, he, he loves the people around him. You could see perhaps, I think, that that person could go on to be a loving, caring husband, father, etc. And so where do we find him in Force Awakens? He's a fucking loser. He's a loser. He's lost everything. He's gone back to smuggling and he's uh, estranged from Leia because yeah. of what happened to their son. And all of that is off camera. Yeah. And you don't see any of it. The only person who's consistent with how they were is Leia. It's probably Leia. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Leia's fine in the sense that she's so bland that they couldn't have fucked it up. <laughs> she doesn't do anything interesting in that movie. Disrespect, yeah. So yes, problems, big old problems there. But yeah, you're right, Ben Solo. No, Ben um, is the core of that. And yep. because this all comes from the fact that they needed to have Ben start as a Sith or as a Kylo Ren, whatever, to so that they could have a villain with a red lightsaber. Yeah, they were hell-bent on that, yep. that key point of just having a villain with a red lightsaber. So all of this is suffering because of that, yep. because this decision was made writing-wise. And it's like, okay, obviously the main screen of audience has seen this, but the Star Wars universe has gone through literal thousand-year periods where no one has been in the galaxy with a red lightsaber. You know, before yeah. the prequels, there wasn't anyone. Mm. Yeah, Qui-Gon is like, what? It's a Sith? No yeah, way. And the Jedi Council is like, absolutely not. We don't yeah. believe you. That's why it's so profound. That's why this chapter in, in, in the timeline <laughs> is so important. Because it's, you know, yeah. that whole period of the Return of the Sith, what we're talking about, is a period that's literally after that again, where they're gone. So, 
here's like where the rant comes in. Here's the whinging. If we have him start as a Padawan, which is our idea, is our fix. Like an older Padawan, like an 18-year-old Yeah, 18-year-old Padawan, Padawan mm-hmm. heading towards the Jedi Knight Trials. How does he fall to the dark side, especially when there's no Sith around? What compels him to fall? If we're going to do the fall at all, if we're going to do a fall and a redemption, which is one of our favorite parts of Kylo Ren and one of the fans of the audience's favorite parts about him, mm. that's the interesting part is seeing his fall and his redemption. Yeah. It wasn't done well in the sequels, no. but people want to see that done yeah. well because those stories are really fascinating. Yeah. But the thing with Ben is that we act, we like him as a character. We care about him as a character. We don't want to make him a Vader because no. we don't want to make him irredeemable. I think we're quite consistent with that. Mm. We don't want to, we don't that's want yeah. him to yeah. go too far. I think we want him to be representative of like the sort of the youth who can be very easily misled, misinformed uh, in the modern day. Yes, yeah. that's been something yeah. we've been very interested in, in following along as well, because, you know, we've seen that in our own lives of, like, you know, guys getting led down the, the red pill pipeline. The is, Andrew is what Tate it's called. Path. The yeah. Andrew Tate. If you yeah. listen to Andrew Tate, we don't align with his views on women on this show, so maybe go away. <laughs> Although um, you've probably figured that out. You probably right figured that out if you listen to the show, but I just want to reiterate. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, massive problems with Ben. So that's... You know, the first part of the whinging is like, if we're going to do this, we're going to have him a Padawan, which is an interesting fix. Mm. How does he become a Sith and fall? Because yeah. there's no Sith. Uh, the next part of the whinge is, is Luke his teacher? And if so, how do they have conflict? Is Luke a bad teacher? We don't want him to be a bad teacher. But also, if, if Ben's going to fall, it kind of feels like he needs to be mm. a bad teacher. So how do we mm. do that story? Or how do it- we have Luke be a compelling character who is flawed? And yet is still true to Return of the Jedi, yeah, Luke, but not heavily flawed. And it's, it, it's we we kind of like, flawed, but not too flawed. You yeah, know? he he's um, it's got to be this whole thing of like they just don't get each other. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. They, they, there's a misunderstanding there. Luke's perhaps just not the right teacher for Ben. Uh, you know that whole. I think that's an interesting story, story too. Of just like you're not the right teacher. You're just not the right. You're not gelling with Ben because I think that's you know true to to real life. And, as well. and yeah, maybe that's part of the messaging with Ben. It's like you know, okay, these people who can be corrupted uh, by this sort of like you know media, uh, maybe they're not actually bad people. They're just easily swayed, and that no one progressive, no one, no one good, no one healthy, no one positive has ever been able to get through to them mm. because they're just not speaking their language. Yeah, it's all about hearing, and this is something I talk about a lot. It's like you can be receiving the same advice over and over again for years from all sorts of different people, but it might not be until the one right person at the one right time says the one right thing that just like strikes through and hits your noggin. Yeah, and you go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, absolutely. Now I get it. Now I actually understand what people have been trying to tell me. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's also it's like you know, when in this political sphere, there's a reason that everyone arcs up at each other because when someone's yelling at you, you just want to yell back. Mm. When you have a real conversation with someone that you want to be productive, you're not condescending, you're not trying to belittle them, you might actually get through to them. Uh, okay, the Palpatine of it all. And then there's the Sith of it all. Uh, that's one of my later notes as well. Later notes? Whoops, um, yeah. uh, later in terms of the order I wrote them. Okay, uh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can jump to it now. Um, okay. okay, big thing there. Look, we're not trying to do what the sequels did. You know, We're not trying to do a resurrection which ruins the Return of the Jedi. Again, we're not trying to rip a page out of that perfect book Mm. And and burn it and yeah. rewrite it. Uh, it's it's besmirching that reputation. We've spoken before about the whole. You know, Vader's main sacrifice was more about saving Luke than it was about defeating the Sith. But that you know that's fine. Up to your own thing. That is an interpretation thing for sure. But you know, we, we we're still trying to find a villain that is a carryover. The thing that I've been pushing for is influence. It's the yeah. influence of Palpatine, same as the influence of any dictator throughout history. If if it's you know if people were alive to have seen it and they liked it, then it's going to continue. Yes, and you know, sure enough, that's what we're seeing in real life. But with yeah, with the Palpatine of it all, 
it's we want to explore Palpatine and his influence because for the first six movies, mm. that was what it was about. It's mm. Palpatine's influence on the galaxy and what he's trying to do as a horribly evil person. Yeah. So when we're doing the sequel trilogy, it only felt right that he be a big part of the story. No matter what, no matter what kind of influence he has, he has to be involved in some way because it's, as a villain, it's his villain story. This yep. is his villain arc, and it made sense for it to be all the way through. Our first, or my first pitch to you guys, was that it'd be clone Palpatine. Yeah. And he's one the one pulling We ran strings. on that for a long time. And we ran on time. that for a while, because and that's... then we just sat and we thought, and we were like, this just doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't work, man. Well, we were there because it's 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 kind of it's it's a writing evolution. That's the easy, more literal train of thought. Is, yeah. You know. Okay. So if we want the influence of Palpatine, why not a Palpatine itself? Yeah. Whereas we're gonna have to put in the legwork a bit more. It's a much more difficult process to actually have it be a real felt influence, um, and still know that it is his influence. But that's the that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Mm. And it's, you know, it's a more interesting, compelling story just to have it be like, oh, these characters like Phasma or Hux are following in the path mm. of, you know, fucking Hitler, Palpatine. Yeah. And saying, no, we're not. We're not doing that. Yeah. And so, so they're saying to the galaxy, we're not doing that. But and then everyone else is like, OK, well, your right hand's telling me this. And your left hand is doing some evil shit. Yeah. That Palpatine would have loved. Yeah. But that'll create greater depth for the characters, greater depth for the for the for the world. Yeah, stuff like that, and a better story. Um, but how do we have Palpatine yeah. be there and be involved no. in an interesting way? Another big issue we've been having, uh, and I think uh, Patrick Willem summarized something really good when he was uh, talking about another YouTuber we yeah. love is Patrick yeah. Willem. Uh, I've really gotten into him recently. Yeah, uh, he was talking about JJ and the big jo the job. Or no, I think he was talking about just about Star Wars in general. The job that the Force Awakens had, they had three jobs. They had to create a Star Wars film that felt like Star Wars. Yeah, they had to create new and interesting characters, and I think they did that. I think very so. charismatic, great, fun characters in Seven. And they had to make good world building. Yeah, the good um, world building. That's the kicker. And that's the thing that's, yeah, really been difficult. That's the thing that they didn't do. So we're trying to fix that while still doing those other two things. I think, you know, so the Palpatine thing, in terms of the world building, he's not involved in, in Force Awakens at all. And I don't know if he necessarily has to. But the question for us, you know, as writers building out context, if he left his instructions to anyone, who was it and what were those instructions? Yes. Mm. So Operation Cinder, for example, we love the idea that he was just like, torch everything because that's what the Nazis did in World War II as well. Mm. They're like, torch everything, no evidence, no no files are left. And there was a couple of... People who tried to stop. People who, yeah. you know, tried and in most cases, I think, succeeded to yeah. stop a lot of those records getting burned by Hitler. But a lot of those things did get burned. Yeah. And it was, you know, horribly tragic to lose all that information. But if we see the same thing happen, Operation Cinder, that means that one, we know Palpatine has some contingencies for his death. And two, he would have other ones to maybe resurrect himself mm. using Sith magic, which and is a cool story, but people might hate it. Yeah, mm. but look, I, I think people have to just like understand the character of Palpatine. Yeah. That, of course, that guy sought eternal life yeah. above all else. You know, like he, he never respected the Sith, the rule of two. He respected himself. He always had all of these little cronies, all these people in his pockets, you know, if it once more was done, that's fine. I've already got Dooku. I already had one uh, like ready to go. Yeah. Anakin to kill Dooku and then replace him. Grievous yeah. is a fucking tool. Yeah. I got Vader and I hate Vader. Vader's a fuckhead. I'm going <laughs> to replace Vader with anyone, yeah. you know? Yeah. Fuck you, Palpatine. Um, no, Palpatine is great. He's a, yeah. a truly, really good villain. Um, And it's just trying to figure out the motivations of what he would do and how that plan could create an interesting story. Hmm. So, you know, something I've been pitching recently is that Exegol is Starkiller Base. That was the original plan for the Death Star, uh, the the inspiration for it, sorry. And the plan is to use Exegol to create 
immortality, and that's the goal. Which is a, a wild idea yeah. to have a, the blowing up a planet be used to as a dark side power yeah. <laughs> to, but, to but, resurrect yourself. But we're trying everything. Yes, at this point, uh, <laughs> yeah. and we might as well. The I don't know the in, the the uh, a big issue that we have been having is like, does the big bad villain need to be a dark side user mm. thing, whatever? Um, Here's a question. So this is the whinging question for you, audience. What do you think? Because we're lost. Like, <laughs> does they need to have a red lightsaber? Because me and Sandra were like, yeah, they do. And Mello's like, absolutely no, they don't. Yes. Okay. Look, I'm I'm not falling prey to some sort of marketing ploy. I don't think we need to see a red lightsaber to know that there's a villain. I think we can create interesting, compelling villains who don't have the force, who don't have, don't have lightsabers. And I think it poses something new, something interesting, a new challenge. Very challenging, of course, for us. Um, but hey. Yeah. We're doing it to ourselves. It's uh, just if it's not if there's not a red lightsaber, how is it a mainline Skywalker saga movie? Yes, about good versus evil because you got the red lightsaber, which is evil, <laughs> versus mm. the blue or green lightsaber, which is not evil. I yeah, I'm not even at that point. It's like does it have to be a main villain? I just want to see a red lightsaber fight a blue lightsaber. <laughs> can I can I give you one in the whole trilogy, or do you want it in the first film? I want it in the first film. Every movie, ideally <laughs> in each film, you have red versus blue or green at least once, at least one time. You know what uh, I mean? It's kind of like almost like your big your big piece. It's like one of your big things. You you go to watch Star Wars. You want to watch some lightsabers fight, yeah, fight each other. I, that's why I go. It's a fun time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this I think like kind of brings me to another point, which is like the personal thing of of the why. Yeah. Why to tell this story? Why we're we doing this? Obviously, we moved our whole like you know Star Wars is a great vessel. But I've been thinking so much about this trilogy and its place and its role. Yeah. I've whinged before about the whole Skywalker saga. Uh, thing that idea in general was stupid yeah Yeah, so i brought up skywalker saga i set off mellow now yeah Yeah. (laughs) stupid marketing thing because okay that was a dumb disney marketing yeah for sure only did it for rise of skywalker but it's still a saga like it's a mainline trilogy it is is, but they they only called it that and also they only called nine the last film to get bumps in seats oh for sure absolutely it was a saga when it was just six yes still yeah um but, but and we see that now though because like they've got a Ray movie, even though she's not the main character, mm. coming out 15 years later. Tell me how that's not episode 10. Because it's not the Skywalker saga. Shh. <laughs> not in the saga. Because it's not a trilogy. Boys, yeah. boys, I have a new objective. Not maybe, maybe not a new objective, maybe something subconscious, but something I've been thinking about. That is, this trilogy, I would like to end it, end it in a way that opens up the Star Wars galaxy. Okay. So that you'd leave off from nine thinking these st- stories can continue in this timeline that it that that at the end of it all it's not about the palpatines it's not about the skywalkers that there can be other heroes and then the, the, there are more stories to tell going beyond you know so i'm not trying to say end the skywalker bloodline or anything like that but maybe end tie, the focus tie up all their stories yeah literally yeah um, that's a fair point i agree with you but i think not for the same reasons because right. i want to i want to tie up all the stories and i think there's a lot of people out there who really want to see Han, Leia, and Luke mm. in the the period post the Civil War, whether that's directly after or 20 years after. I think people want to see that, and I think that's a lot of the reason why people hated the sequel so much is because they didn't get to see that at all. Yeah. Mm. These characters either died really quickly or were not shown in a favorable way. Uh, so I think you know people want to see those stories, and I think tying up and ending those stories is a good idea. Yes. It's just I'm just struggling to figure out how yep. they should end. Uh, and if we're going to end those stories, what are the new characters that are being introduced and how are they yeah. exploring the galaxy? Yeah. And look, yeah. So obviously we're going to give our respect to the old generation, but like we have to focus on this new one. It's mm. about them. A big problem is always since the very beginning is, is legacy characters doing them justice, keeping their personalities the same, but still feeling like they've grown up. Yeah. Um, 
and also having them be interesting in the story. In, interesting the in the story without them taking over the entire plot and like Lawrence Kasdan's big thing. Every time Luke Skywalker comes in, no one cares about anything else. Holy shit! It's Luke Skywalker. It's holy shit! It's and that's yeah, that's Skywalker. the quote from yeah. from Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, is that whole they treated him like a deity? Yeah, uh, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> not really. But you know. I think you know Lawrence Kasdan, very smart man, and he gets it. The idea that if we put Luke in a scene, most likely people aren't going to care about anyone else in that scene. They want to see what Luke's doing, which is fair enough. Fair enough. It's the it's the character you're attached to already. You're already yeah. attached to him. You you know he's supposed to have godlike powers from you know everything you know people have read Silly in Legends. Silly EU. Silly EU fucking powers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we should talk about the main character of this trilogy, Ray, which is still Ray, <laughs> and the problems with the, our biggest problem character. I think this ties into one of the things I wrote down, which is there's too many moving pieces. Yes. One of our the first treatment I wrote, it had Ben and Luke and their story on an island, Leia and ha- oh sorry, Leia and Lando and their story in the Senate. Yeah. And then Ray and Finn's story on the outer rim, and and they didn't really meet up no. at all until the end. And, that's, and Ben didn't even do it at all. That's only because we feel obligated to show the original characters at all. So in terms of obligation, only, you know, like, my starting place for this was let's take the sequel trilogy movies, let's take all the characters and things they introduced, and let's see if we can rewrite it and remix it so that it's better. And the more we've done that, the more it's like I don't think that's possible. No. I think we really truly have to go back to the drawing board and scrap some of these characters, like Poe, which we've done. We've, yeah. we've scrapped him in our recent work. Yep. And go back to the drawing board, start from scratch, and scrap some characters and redraw all of their beginning starting places, yeah. and then throw them into the story and and watch them work. Watch yeah. Them play. Salvage whoever we can. What things that we do really like, but in case yeah. you haven't already picked up on it, this is less fixing the sequel trilogy as it is. Rewriting Ranting. it. Yeah, rewriting it. Recreating. Yeah. It has to be done. Yeah. Um, but Ray, big, big problem because Ray needs to be the main character still. We want Ray to be the main character and figuring out, okay, why? Because you gotta have a good answer for these things. And my pitch to you guys was it's oh, was this your pitch? Who came up with this idea that Ray's a force child? I think that was maybe you. Yeah. Mm. So Ray's a force child. Cool. That's a really interesting way to tie into the dyad. That would make sense if Palpatine makes a force child and Vader has a grandkid. That would make sense that they're sort of tied together in the force. Cool. That works. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the Ray force child thing. She's also kind of a Horcrux that'll allow Palpatine to be resurrected from death. That's cool as well. It's like an uh, an extrapolation of those ideas. Yeah. yeah. And it makes Ray really important to the plot. But if we introduce Ray, who is not a part of the Skywalker family mm. and is maybe a bounty hunter on the Outer Rim. That's introducing a whole lot of shit to the story that we've got to find a way to to tie in. Yeah, mm. and it's um, yeah, there's, there's also a reason in terms of like the the why in the universe. Why are we picking up the story now? Why now? What's is the... a really big one. Yeah, and that's, What's that's changed. That keeps tying back to our world building, and I think we we we. we I feel like we're still close with it when it comes to this whole the underworld. I think the underworld is the right way to go in terms of yeah. like. Who's the next villain? Where does the next villain come from? It does not come from another galaxy called the Yuzen Vong. Uh, it comes. <laughs> That's definite for sure. Yeah, yeah we're not doing it's, that. It's internal, and it's it's time to look at a massive group and a massive problem in the galaxy that's always been there. That because of big empires and stuff, we're just not focusing on, you know, crime. Yeah, my big problem whenever you guys bring up the importance or I guess the scale of which the underworld are going to be in the story, and this is a problem I've found, is it feels like it completely undermines the thing that we've been talking about the past half an hour being the big theme of the legacy of the Empire. Yeah. It completely takes away... You're talking about, oh yeah, the big villain has to be the underworld, but the whole themes are based around the resurgence of fascism. fascism. Yeah. Yeah. So it like makes no sense for them to be the big villain. 
Well, it, but you just and you, it's kind of like trying to juggle these two forces. Yeah, that it's it's. I think it's because we've got the world building solution, which is the crime world has this huge power vacuum post the Civil War, which yeah. would allow them to grow hugely. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it then from our drive from our place of writing and themes is exploring the resurgence of fascism post uh, a long period post the war. And those two things don't necessarily naturally co- co- cohese together. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. When you look at those, uh, when you look at criminal empires and then syndicates, they don't strike me as the most progressive bunch. Other than the <laughs> idea that like we've been playing with for a while of the, um, this fascism, this resurgence of fascism yeah. coming in to misguide and like take the trust of the political system yeah. by getting rid mm. of the underworld. Then there's a question of, if we're having a conflict, obviously Star Wars have to have that. Uh, we do believe there has to be war well, yeah, of some kind. Probably. It is a Star Wars. Yeah. No one wants to watch Star Peace. No, uh, no, they boring. don't. Conflict um, is where interesting stories happen. Yeah, but you know, it's it's the whole. Does it have to be a big galaxy wide war? Yeah, you know, yeah. like do, do, do we need that to make it interesting, or can it be more s- systems? And I think this also ties into the question of the world building with character building. Leia, Han, and Luke fought really hard along with the rebels to create peace, to build the New Republic and to have peacetime be a thing. Yep. So if we have a full-scale galactic war, mm. in some way that is going to undermine the peace that they worked yeah. so hard to achieve. We can't have had the Which we don't want to do. Yeah. We don't want the heroes because that is, it could be a failure yep. on their part. Yep. Mm. And I think the one thing that I'm kind of settling on that seems to make sense is that again, like let's just look at society. Um, we do a big war. 20 years later, we do another big war. People don't want big wars anymore, and it turns into a bunch of small wars which have their own evil, really dark implications. Yeah. Uh, but like, put that then in the Star Wars universe. Okay, so we rebuild build the New Republic again. We rebuild it. Great. They wouldn't want war either. Doesn't mean galaxy co- conflict in the galaxy doesn't exist. And I'm not going to say that they'd get complacent, but they would, you know, sit in their sort of like comfortable armchairs, uh, as it were, and not want to do things outside of their own sphere. As long as their new republic is protected, why w- should they? Why would they? Another big, I, th- I think, problem is because of how like beautifully it bookends at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And we get the feeling that like these characters have won. Like this, this is a big win. This is our end. We've defeated the oppressive fascistic fucking government and we're going to overthrow it with our it's... own beautiful socialist utopia. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> to like go forward a few years later like 20 years later 30 years later and be like oh but there were mistakes made whereas going back and doing the prequels george doesn't try to like do a really happy book ending at the end of revenge of the Sith. no he gets to say yeah it sucks yeah. Yeah. he's like he shows it it's a it's a movie purely centered around failure and how we ended up in the point that we're at yeah at the start of it starts um, with a hope. really corrupt system that it gets even more corrupted and turned into fascism. And it shows how governments that sort of work for some people can be corrupted and fall to work for one person or yeah. a very small yeah. group of people. So at the end of Revenge of the Sith, we see our heroes, for the most part, fail. Yeah. And at the end of Return of the Jedi, we see our heroes succeed. They yeah. win. And it's hard to come back from a win and say, hey, here's this failure that now you need to overcome again. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. But there's our message, though, isn't it? Okay. You know, which is something we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. World War Two ends, right? You know, quote heroes win. Uh, you know, like yeah, <laughs> it's a bit complicated in the in the real world, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This is <laughs> we are talking about stuff. Hitler loses, which means that okay, everyone so else that's, wins. That's but a yeah. win. 
all of the wars since. (laughs) All of the wars since have been really messy because of the advent of TV and being able to watch Vietnam on the news. Yeah. Which is why Star Wars exists. Yeah. Or it's a big part of the the inspiration for the Empire But, you know, like, I think you can link major, all wars now back to the last major wars. You know, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. All, all modern warfare has come from shit that happened in World War One and Two, and it just keeps going. Yeah. Whole war, all of it. But there's the message, right? It's that you know, okay, we win a big war. We're not in utopia yeah. in the real world by any means. Good point. So why the fuck should they be? That's a good you point. Know, like, that's a good point. And you know, in in our world, you know, in Australia, we get to live in very much peace and security. Yeah. But we know that our country is involved with countries like the United States, who are very actively involved with active conflicts yeah. in places like Israel and Palestine right now. So and it, the conflict is happening, and yes. it's very important. But we are safe where we are. Mm. So I feel like there's a reality we can be inspired by. For, yeah. for writing this. Um, but then in terms of like, okay, how do you not besmirch the reputation of the hard work of the original trilogy characters? Okay, they're heroes. Heroes don't fix see a problem, fix the problem once. Yeah. If there are mm. problems, it's their life's journey. They keep doing it. If they are real heroes, they will keep fighting until the end. Even if that fight doesn't necessarily mean guns blazing i think and but to the end like you said i agree but the the end can mean not death the end can be for luke for example i'm retiring i'm going to be a jedi master now i don't fight anymore i'm going to train people who can't fight evil yeah that's the and that's that's the the fighting for the future for generations yeah you're still like doing it. that's a good fight and then leia is like well i'm not going to pick up a blaster but i am going to be a politician and i am going to stay in politics and try and make change here yeah i don't know what the fuck han's gonna do (laughs) i don't know what he's up to but he's he's doing something so yeah, I don't know. Like I agree with you though. Yeah, yeah. Overall, it is about fascism returning, which means that evil will return. Evil will always return. Mm. Uh, and there's always got to be people there who will fight against that evil. That's the point. That's yeah. the message. It's not like a the good and the bad is not a yin and yang. All right, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's bad sucks, and yeah. it's got to be fought against yes. all the time. So enter this new generation. Which is and, a simple message, but it's good. That's what's so interesting. What can be interesting about this new generation is it's like, aren't we seemingly in this time of peace? There's always something sinister. There yeah. is always something underneath. Peace is not real. And, and you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, Shit. that's right. Utopia, Peace isn't real. Utopia yeah. is not real. Well, that's the whole point of utopia. Utopia isn't achievable because yeah. the minute you think you're in utopia, it falls. They've won. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, it's, you know, you have to fight for peace. Absolutely. It's, you can't. You can't be a peaceful warrior or an advocate for peace. Well, you can. But no, no. It's like. If you really want to make a change, sometimes you got to get violent. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's what it's, I believe it's like, anyway. You, know, you got to you got to stir up conflict. It's yeah. like you know, like because you, you know what's not peaceful is is going to your boss and saying I'm not getting paid enough. You know that's conflict. Yeah. It, it, it's it doesn't necessarily have to be aggressive. That can be productive sort of conversation, but it's still conflict because yeah. you know it's it's you want something and and they have the option to give that to you or not. I think it's it's the difference uh, between peace. And uh, between freedom for yeah. a lot of people. This yeah. is what I heard. Oh, I'm messing up the quote, but it was a really good quote I heard the other day. It's like, yeah, I seem peaceful right now. And it was, uh, I think it was back in the 60s. There's a black man talking to a white man. He's like, yeah. I seem peaceful. And he's like, no, no, you seem free. And he's like, no, I seem peaceful. I am not free. I don't have the freedom to walk around uh, and not be called slurs. I don't have the freedom to buy a house in your side of town, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's, you know, uh, the difference between there is peacetime, but there are people who are not free in that piece and i think you know exploring that somehow <laughs> would be really good it's just these these really big questions for us uh, as writers of like how to do all this how to balance all of these things when we're continuing a story and like you said sandro not returning to a place that was maybe worse in some ways and saying look at how we got to this really bad place in terms of you know the, yeah. the fascistic government 
having control over the galaxy. Yeah. Look at how we started with the with the Republic and how it fell and became the Empire. Yeah. Sorry. So just to round out my point, it's yep. yeah, this new generation, it's the whole yep. The galaxy is seemingly at peace. No, no, no. There's still stuff going on, and it's, I think it's the new generation discovering that there is still like evil going on. It still persists, mm. and it's 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 getting them to give a shit. Yeah. Same deal as as the modern day. You know, it's 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 getting people our generation or you know older generations probably more so uh, <laughs> who are sitting at home when there's there's you know wars going on or there's an important election that can help make change and be progressive they say no i don't want to vote in that yeah i don't um, believe in voting it's it's getting people who you know why should we give a shit isn't life good yeah to realize no it's not it's not and maybe it it's might good be good for, for you, you yeah it's not good for some other people. have some basic fucking empathy and, and <laughs> care about someone else you know? just a quick thing on the voting i'm a big i'm a big proponent of voting i believe in voting mm -hmm. uh it's the it's the institution put in place so that we can affect change in government and policy if you don't vote, I would heavily advise that maybe I would suggest maybe that you go vote. think about that and, yeah. and go vote. Is that a threat? No, <laughs> it's not a threat. It's not a threat. I don't want to be too aggressive in terms of like you know this is we want to talk about Star Wars and not as much the real world. The real world should inspire our Star Wars writing mm. uh, and our thoughts on the real world. We will share them. We don't want to impose them on anyone else because that's what yeah. idiots do. That being well, said, we are also Australian, and it's there are penalties for not voting. Here. You know what? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, I know it's there's, up to you. there's some people who choose not to vote. There anyways. are. There I are actually anyway. know some people personally. There are people like, that will just cop the fine. How the fuck do you get away with not voting every year? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, also, in terms of imposing thoughts and opinions, yeah, yeah, we're not going to do it directly, allegorically, through the story. And again, we are Australian, so we're going to do it with a lot of swear words. <laughs> so if you're yeah. listening to this and you're like, fuck, these cunts are aggressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're born that way. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's the freedom that we've been missing. You know, like uh, bloody Andor dropped the first, you know, shit in Star Wars. And then we yeah, dropped the fun. first F bomb as well. Yeah. Fuck it, we'll do it. No, I will fucking do <laughs> this it. This is Aussie Star Wars. Aussie Star Wars is, is going to be wild. Yeah, don't yeah. you worry. Yeah. So we've gone on like long tangent soapboxes today. We've, we have, it's been a while since we've gone to the soapbox. So this is good. We've got mm -hmm. to do it every now and then. Get it out. Get it out of the system. <sighs> we want to introduce conflict without taking away the peace that the rebels fought so hard for. It's Star Wars, so we need wars. Our characters need to be important. They need to be the only ones up for the job, which means that the New Republic can't just solve all the problems for mm. them. So I yeah. think that's another thing as yes. well. Like the New Republic, is the New Republic just good? Mm. Because mm. if we're saying, here's, here's the inspiration Lucas had. The Empire was, for him, inspired by the Americans, by the US, yeah. who were fighting against uh, the Vietnamese. So the Viet Cong is the rebels yeah. in that very simple, you know, metaphor, analogy, whatever. So when they win, and the, let's say the Viet Cong won and overthrew the United States and they make their own government, what does that utopia look like? You know, right. what does that what does that really look like? And obviously, I'm a huge socialist. I'm not fucking quiet about it. So I'm saying the New Republic should have socialist policies. Everyone should be taken care of. There should be ideally no poor or homeless or yeah. anything like that. Medicare for all, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Yeah, but I think the easier thing to do because yeah, it, this is the problem. It, the the rebels are so interesting because it's the heroes being kind of on the back foot. Yeah. yeah, being smaller. They're the, they're um, the guerrilla underdog fighters, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is and the fun story. Yes, and we can't do that again because it's copying. That's boring. Fair yeah. enough. But no one said we had to have the New Republic be involved in the conflict. And they really could be, you know, care about themselves, but be apathetic outside of their own New Republic. They could do apathy. They could be like, no, we're not getting involved in this conflict. We have created a perfect spherical bubble of peace within the galaxy. Mm. And if you're outside of it, we don't care. Yeah. Hey, it's do just... you want to join the New Republic? Great. Do you, that, you but we're not going to give that, shit And then you create a force that's able to fully overthrow that. It kind of just seems like 
So they're just going to let themselves be destroyed. So and that's it. That's the thing as well. It's like if the underworld grows into a huge threat, you reckon maybe the New mm. Republic would do something about that. They'd go to war. Which is why I've been thinking about, okay, is it potentially more interesting now to zero in on the criminal worlds and, uh, versus, you know, independent systems? Yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. It's, it, it feel, that feels a bit more like reality, a bit more like life, you know, uh, where it's like, okay, there's, there's conflicts happening all over the world and there, here's, yeah, here's the Americas, here's the West uh, with, you know, power to do stuff about it. Do they? Uh, you know, and even should they get involved, it's not, you know, in some places. Yeah. Some, although, um, most cases, not there. Um, not there. Uh, they really uh, shouldn't. American um, interventionalism. Yeah, literally. I get hurt, that, around shit. a lot. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. This does circle back. I'm going to sound like an old record, probably. It does circle back, and I feel like this, this very process that's mm-hmm. just happened is, is a good example of why we've been struggling so much, because th- then that instigates, oh, but how does, what does that have to do with the resurgence of fascism what yep. does that have to do with the like the imperial sway and the like the imperial um afterlife yep. of sidious we don't have to draw such like real world in, in like uh implications like with in terms of government but and if we're ma- smart we probably shouldn't no mm. but maybe more on a moral standpoint or of a messaging standpoint simply that if there is a problem and you have the ability to do something about it and you don't you're kind of a bad person yeah but i think you know, that works as a really good individual message for someone like Spider-Man. Yes. You have these superpowers. You're choosing to use them for selfish gain. Your uncle dies. You should use them for moral, like, community good. That's a great message. And let's let's maybe focus in on the, st- the character story there. Character yeah, story, yes. Sure. But if you're talking governments, yeah. then things get a lot more difficult and uh, complicated because if the government gets involved with a situation that maybe they shouldn't be getting involved in, that's a war. Mm. <laughs> and that's a, that's a big, messy, complicated situation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, once again our rant session. We're not coming up with many ideas today, uh, <laughs> which which is fine. Yeah, fine for me anyway. What's some other issues we've run into? Uh, I feel like we we went past a few Ray things. Yeah, uh, making Ray prevalent within the story. Um, I know I know you already pretty much touched on this, but yeah, like keeping her as like a a main character in the world where making her feel relevant to the story, making yeah. her feel like she actually has a place. And not just like is kind of randomly thrown in, but she's the main character, but still giving her a hero's journey where she has to, she has to decide to instigate going out and like fighting for the, fighting for the new Republic or fighting with Luke. Fighting with the Jedi or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting against evil. Yep. I don't know. So, but, but she's the character who I want to explore that sort of idea of like, why, sh- why should I do anything about it? And that could be cool. Yeah. That could be really cool. It's like the, the apathy of like, oh, look, this, this galaxy I live in is so complicated and so messy. I don't even know what the good side is. Yeah. I don't even know who's, who's good and who's bad. It's too complicated. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Well, time to become a hero. Yeah. Um, time Hero's to, journey. Time get, to learn. You know? Time to learn. You've got to yeah. get pulled into it. You know? Yeah. Um, but willingly. You've got, you've got to decide to be a better person. If you listen to the show, you've heard a lot of our solutions and ideas we've thrown out. But here's like us opening up to the camera and to the microphone a bit about <laughs> how difficult we've found it recently. Um, I know next week we're going to be doing some kind of uh, episode without you, Mello, because you're on a fun cruise going uh, somewhere. Yeah. Where is it again? Where yeah. are you going? Uh, Vanuatu going? and New Caledonia. Vanuatu and New Caledonia, which That's is so fun. Cool. Yeah. So you'll be off for next week. Uh, we're going to bring on probably uh, Cole if he's free, which would yeah. be great. Maybe Emily if she's free. Unlikely. She's very busy with uni. But uh, So we're going to be bringing on someone and we're going to think about talking about Babu Freak. Because that's a really important topic we haven't dived into much. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> it is absolutely crucial, especially after 
like hearing this episode, I know you're probably all wondering where's Babu? What's Babu doing? Yeah, Babu is the key to all of this. And so why haven't we talked about him to bring him in? He's on the, the board. But Babu's Babu's important. So that's on the docket for next week. Maybe we might change our minds. Babu might fix. He might the be. Thing. He might literally be the key to all of this. Yeah. Anyways, so that's the plan because that episode will allow us a bit of freedom to. In, in between working on that uh, and making the next episode after that, we can do some writing and try yeah. and bring all of these problems we've been ranting and raving about this episode and create solutions for them, at least temporary solutions, so that we can decide, okay, at least for now, we're going to do this, this, and this uh, and carry that forward through our writing boot camp, which will be our November project, which we're all very, I'm very excited about, but I'm also like trepidatious. <laughs> Absolutely. So, As a closing question, I guess, for you guys. Closing question. Something I started doing um, a tiny bit back, I think, when was when did we go out to the lake? I think... Oh, uh, like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. I, I just started... The Water Skiing Champions episode, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I started trying to just deconstruct everything. I found it so helpful being with you guys. You guys will just, like, reconstruct the story as is. I tried just breaking the entire thing down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Scrapping every character. Yeah. Okay. Scrapping everything, asking myself, what if we said it like 40 years after? What if we said it like 80 years after? Mm -hmm. Wow. Like, and it, it becomes, it becomes like this weird thing of what, what feels compelling? What, what do we want to see? Like, we also, we want to see like a tie in with our characters from before. W what do you think? Do you think this is the right period to be making a Star Wars trilogy? The time period that we have chosen? I think so. But I'd be curious to hear uh, some arguments from you guys, because I think it is. Mm. is it, what do you think, Mello? Mm. I, I think this is the right time, the right period of time. 20 to 30 years after. Yeah. I think is right, so long as there's, yeah, as, as long as we can rationalize as why. Why, why you know, what, what has happened, what's transpired, why has some sort of threat or conflict been able to I think the uh, in terms of a trilogy because we've talked a lot about the fall of Coruscant and how we want to do a TV show series of like a bit of writing for that just to see like here's some like really fun stories of Luke being a god tier fucking uh, force user awesome force user yeah awesome force user and like Leia and Han running around doing fun quests and all that kind of stuff we want to do that show mm. uh, but in terms of writing a trilogy of movies of sequels it feels like the next part of the journey is Luke as a Jedi master training Padawans and Ben being the eldest of those Padawans I agree that's the start of that story for me. Uh, and then everything from there is a reaction to that mm. in terms of Leia being in Senate and Han being in the wind. I yep. still don't know what Han's doing. I haven't locked in on that. Your idea of just simply talking about timelines in general is interesting because it's like, say for a second, it was 80 years after. And we can, our, our mainline characters die. They have their happy ending. Yeah. 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 Um, it's the system that follows that maybe fails. I don't okay. know. You know, like, like the generations. Yeah. It, it, that. that if if it was say were say for a second, just an example, it were about their grandchildren. Yeah, and it's like were those like the war has kind of been forgotten. Mm. If everyone, if most people have died who were alive in that time. You know? Yeah, I I don't know. It, it's something that sprouted out of my head just because we were within the past two weeks just ripping everything apart and yeah. reconstructing everything, and I was just thinking maybe if we just like if I ripped everything apart, I started somewhere completely <laughs> different. I started in like 80 years after. Um, your problem is then that you're recreating like the world building. You have, you have nothing. You kind of really, have to start from scratch. You are starting yeah. absolutely really from scratch. You have nothing mm, yeah. to really infer off, which, yeah. which is kind of like what we're, we've been doing with the underworld, but we've been 
grabbing what we already had from the underworld yeah. and we've been using that to infer a sort of path a natural progression of where it would be yeah and, and using, also doing the same with the new republic and how that would operate yeah, using maul and kira and mm. like the crimson dawn and everything we saw in the shadow collector from clone wars and trying to follow a path of where that would leave us with Jabba dying at Return of the Jedi. You go so far in the future that nothing even matters. Yeah. yeah. You know? I think, you know, if we were going to write a realistic story where it's like, oh, the shadow of the Empire looms in the past, you would do it 80 years from now. But it's Star Wars. So we're going to go do the, I'd say we've got to do the dumb version, which is yeah. 40 years or, yeah. or 20, 25 yeah. years. People want to see those original but trilogy it, characters. Go I, damn it. I, I want to see them. It really is a testament, I think, to how lived in like Tatooine felt when you're watching it for the first time or how real the cause of the rebels feels, even though it's just like one movie, just showing this world, being able to grab you for what an hour, hour 30, hour 50, however long that movie is. A new hope. A new hope. I, I think it's a, it's a testament to uh, very good filmmaking, very good. Um, I'd say very good building. editing. I don't think and, that... Oh, uh, excellent. Editing. I don't think Lucas is that good of a filmmaker. I think he's a bit an idiot. I think he's a good filmmaker. I think, I think he's a great writer. I think he comes up with really marvelous stories. Not dialogue. That's interesting. I, I think he's I don't, a strange... Not dialogue, no. A strange writer, but, like, yeah, really great stories, I agree. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't absolutely. think he's a good filmmaker. Because just, like, watching the, the documentary on how they made A New Hope and how he ran oh. out of budget in, like, the first, like, couple of months. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he's a moron. <laughs> he'd only um, done one feature before that. It was bizarre, honestly. Exactly. That film was so incredibly also saved in the edit. And yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's Exactly. We should all watch American Graffiti sometime. We should watch Kelsey's American Graffiti. Feature. If just, you don't know American Graffiti, yeah. it's his first feature, and it's got fucking old mate. Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford yeah. Billy D. Williams, and Ron Howard. Back Ron, when Ron Howard's Howard acting was in it. an actor. Well, yeah. there you go. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Any final notes on topic before we lose track um, entirely? No, look, thank Our you very much. Our last final um, Just so you know, so we, I think we should tell them what's to come, so they're, they're not watching this, listening to this episode feeling really like, wow, this is... Oh, a, down. Watch, yeah, the, yeah, let's wow, pick it up. These, yeah, these guys up. aren't um, going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so the project we're We told you we were giving up. <laughs> no. The project we got coming up is pretty exciting. Let's, yeah. Let's tell them. So, six episodes, uh, six weeks of us writing. It'll be act one, followed by act one again. That's the first two episodes. That's the goal. We might change it. But it's the idea is we'll come in with our ideas for act one of Force Awakens. We rewrite it and we go, okay, here's our act one. And then the next week after that, we scrap it all and we start from scratch and we do act one again. And hopefully by that time, we've done the vomit draft version of act one and then we've done a refined version of act one. And it looks and sounds really good. We're happy with it. And we're like, cool, we'll move on. And we do that again for act two and three. And that's the six weeks. The end of that in episodes, uh, for the episode seven of the series we're going to try and have it be, we've finished the whole treatment or the whole script, whatever it is, and we can present that to you on this podcast show in an hour, and that'll be the episode. Yeah, if you're worried about us writing this, like, act one, two, three at a time, don't worry, we do have the story plan. In in our minds, we have yeah. this, this our story plans so that we're not just, like, writing with no direction. Yeah. Um, it'll be structured, it'll be planned. That's the that's the goal. Yeah. But before that, of course, more importantly, is Barbie Freak episode. Yeah. yeah. But, um... Eventually, yes. So at the end of this all, we'll have seven treatment done. We can finally move on to episode eight. <laughs> we can finally get there. We'll see. I'm not super keen to move on to episode eight. Treatment? No? I mean, not keen in the sense I want to be happy with where we're at for yeah. episode seven yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So we have, have like a pretty a... solid pathway. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big tricky thing as well. Is like, we're right at the start here. And, you know, as big believers in creating an overall cohesive good trilogy before making the first movie, mm. yeah. <laughs> which is what they should have done in Hollywood, we want to get our facts right first. We want to get all the context and world building done first because that's where you should be starting with all this stuff so that you can see the arc of 
uh, gravity's rainbow and follow it to its terminus. Gravity's and that's rainbow. the beauty of, beauty that's of a, having <laughs> that's from Knives Out. It's nice. That's the beauty of having it as a treatment. Is like yeah. we can go back and we can change and we can then eventually have a really cohesive treatment for an entire trilogy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, figuring out the first one is like what's the context of everything leading up to this movie? Because then episode eight the context is the stuff we wrote in episode seven which is a lot easier <laughs> yeah <laughs> to work with so i think and then we'll be making episodes on what our treatment got wrong with every character oh my god seven. fixing our own podcast <laughs> absolutely i mean that's what a writer's room is exactly but, yeah. fixing, exactly yeah. fixing fixing the sequel trilogy <laughs> <laughs> someone should make a podcast based on this podcast oh, oh they no. totally should yeah yeah absolutely if we can just go infinite levels of in, insufferable white guys on a podcast it never ends uh, yeah i can't it's, wait for that it's just podcast all the way down here's what fixing the sequel trilogy got raw oh dude i can hear it now <laughs> i can hear it now <laughs> these guys don't understand star wars oh man i don't I mean, they're right i don't yeah, they're right fair enough mm. correct i never read the legends books and i never will <laughs> but that has been our very uh, wildly whinging, non-structured episode of the show today. Here's a lot of our problems and what we've been thinking about and how to fix them. Next week, we'll be talking about something else entirely. Perhaps Barbara Freak, perhaps not. But either then, way, I'm not going to be here. Either way, you're not going to be here, so it doesn't matter for you. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be doing a writing boot camp where we're going to try and force ourselves into a gulag of writing where we just write and write and write, and that's it. And we create, hopefully, what is a good treatment. But until then... This has been Fixing the Sequel Trilogy. You can catch us here every week talking about Star Wars, trying to fix the sequels if we can. We'll see. It remains to be seen. <laughs> and you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, uh, not Twitter. And until next time, may the force be with you.